Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Greetings. Thank you for joining us for ASHP's Practice Journeys in Pharmacy Leadership podcasts. Our discussion for this podcast series focuses on leadership topics within pharmacy practice, including development of leadership skills, career pathways, and more. This edition is a special podcast as we celebrate Women's History Month. We are very fortunate to have three pharmacy leaders who have had successful careers and contributed significantly to health system professional associations. We will be having a conversation today to explore their professional journeys as pharmacists, association leaders, and African-American women. We'll also be asking for their perspectives about the future of pharmacy and how we can continue to support patient care, the profession, and practice advancement. My name is David Chen, and I'm ASHP's Assistant Vice President for Pharmacy Leadership Planning, and I'll be serving as your host today. It is my pleasure to introduce our three speakers today now. First, we have Janet Mighty, who's the Director for Investigational Drug Service at Johns Hopkins Hospital in Maryland. And she's a current board member for the Board of Directors for the ASHP Foundation. She's a past member of the ASHP Board of Directors. She was an integral part of ASHP's Pharmacy Practice Model Summit. And along the way, she's also been a board liaison to several ASHP councils and sections. She's a past president of the Maryland Society of Health System Pharmacists and in 2020 was the recipient of the W. Arthur Purdom Award from the Maryland Society of Health System Pharmacists. Next, we have Dawn Moore. She is the Vice President and Chief Pharmacy Officer for the Community Health Network in Indiana. She too has had a lot of past work with ASHP, which includes being a member of the ASHP Women in Pharmacy Leadership Steering Committee. She's currently on the ASHP Pharmacy Executive Leadership Alliance Advisory Panel and the ASHP Task Force on Racial Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. She's an active member of the ASHP Multi-Hospital Health System Pharmacy Executive Network, a past faculty member for the Pharmacy Leadership Academy, and currently president-elect for the Indiana Pharmacist Association. And third, we have Christy Norman. She's the Vice President for Pharmacy Services for Emory Health in Georgia. Currently, she's the Vice Chair for the ASHP Section of Pharmacy Practice Leaders Multi-Hospital Pharmacy Executive Committee. She's also on the ASHP Comp Committee on Nominations. She too is also an active member for the ASHP Multi-Hospital Health System Pharmacy Executive Network. Currently, President-Elect for the Georgia Society of Health System Pharmacists and also a Georgia delegate to the ASHP House of Delegates. Thank you for joining us today, Janet, Dawn, and Christy. So let's get started talking about today's topic. So to get us warmed up and get started, I'd like to ask each of you to share your background and your career journey, but with an emphasis, if you don't mind, on those critical points in life that encourage you to pursue formal leadership roles in your careers. To get started, I'd, I'd like to ask Janet if she could get us going. Thank you, David. And first, let me begin by saying that I appreciate this opportunity to participate in the podcast. My journey within the pharmacy profession actually started when I was in high school. 
So I worked in a retail pharmacy in a small town. I'm from Maryland, from the eastern shore of Maryland. So the small town, Salisbury, Maryland. From there, I actually went to the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy in Baltimore, Maryland. So after graduating from the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy, my first job as a pharmacist was in a retail pharmacy here in Maryland, sort of outside of the District of Columbia. So I did not stay long at that particular job. I was there for about a year. And primarily, I left because during my rotations while in pharmacy school, I had a lot of interests in hospital pharmacy. But at the time when I graduated, and this was a few years ago, the hospital pharmacy jobs were very limited. So I went the route of retail pharmacy. So after about a year in that retail position, I took a position as a staff pharmacist at a community hospital, Mercy Medical Center here in Baltimore, Maryland. At that time, Mary Conley was the director of pharmacy. So I stayed there for a while, then left that institution and went to the Good Samaritan Hospital, another small community hospital here in Baltimore, Maryland, under the pharmacy director or leadership of Stephen Cohen. So both of those experiences helped shape me and helped me to sort of determine my future. So it was at the Good Samaritan Hospital that Stephen Cohen sort of recognized, and this was early now, that I had some potential leadership skills And at that time, after being a staff pharmacist there, I was promoted to the assistant director of the pharmacy. So then my leadership journey continues. Actually, after being at the Good Samaritan Hospital, I took a little bit of time off due to having two young children at that time. So I was out of the profession for a while, and it was actually, that was a short time too. I was home only about a year, and I decided I need to come up with another plan. You know, I need to go back to work. So at that time, I took a position, a part-time position at the Johns Hopkins Hospital as an investigational drugs and research pharmacist, as a staff pharmacist. So as things occur within life, I was here for a while. The current director of that position, who at that time was Dr. Bob Faroli, Bob took another position, which opened up an opportunity for someone to manage the investigational drug service. So that position, it was me. It was my time. The staff that I was working with at that time all, you know, recognized that I had previous leadership experience and were very supportive of me in that role. So I started out at the Johns Hopkins Hospital as the assistant director for the investigational drug service. And now my current position is the director of the investigational drug service at the Johns Hopkins Hospital. 
And much of my time here has been under the leadership of Daniel Ashby, who is a past president of ASHP. So strong leaders that I have worked with over the years have encouraged me to continue to grow, to continue to develop my leadership skills. I also went to Loyola College here in Baltimore, Maryland, and obtained an MBA, which also helped me to develop stronger leadership skills. So along the way, I can say that it's truly due to strong pharmacy leaders who I had worked with in the past who encouraged me to grow and to continue to develop my leadership skills. These were individuals that were great mentors. They were great friends. And they were also very committed to the profession of pharmacy. Thank you very much for that, Janet. And, you know, I have to smile for as long as we've worked together. I never realized that we had similar paths of both being graduates of University of Maryland and the Loyal MBA program. So, again, thanks for getting us started. And so now we'll turn to Dawn. Dawn, if, if you could share your background and career journey with an emphasis on those critical points in life that encourage you to pursue formal leadership roles um, along your career journey. Absolutely. And hi, David. And thank you for inviting me as well to participate in the podcast. I'm honored to be speaking along with Janet and Christy during Women's History Month. So my journey began in Florida, where I attended Florida A&M University or pharmacy school, in which I was very active in pharmacy associations on local, state and national levels. These experiences really piqued my interest in pharmacy leadership. Thus, it started early for me as well. I had the passion for leadership. However, I knew that I needed more training and skill development. So thus, after receiving my PharmD degree, I wanted to explore the leadership track some more and went on to pursue a pharmacy administrative residency and master's degree program at the University of Wisconsin Hospitals and Clinics. From there, my residency experience with Tom Filkey, Steve Rowe, and Lee Mullen further solidified and validated my interest in leadership as they were influential and forward-thinking leaders in pharmacy. I then began expanding my network, which was very important, as I was surrounded by and introduced to so many leaders and influencers in pharmacy. Now, my first true, true job was as assistant director of pharmacy at the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics, reporting to Paul Abramowitz. I moved to Iowa City based on the opportunity not necessarily the location, which was very important, and further reiterated by Tom Filkey. And so Paul was very supportive of my professional growth as I was able to experience different roles while there. Now, I consider this my first test of true leadership, especially given I was a young Black female leading an older, primarily male Caucasian team. Now, there were many differences that I had to adapt to and or navigate, including the culture. There were many good lessons learned as well, which helped me prepare for the leader who I am continuously evolving into. 
So I'm very grateful for my six years of professional growth at the University of Iowa hospitals and clinics. However, though, at that time, after six years, I was eager to advance to the next level as director. And now it was challenging to break into the director role initially. However, with resilience, I was able to land a job as a pharmacy director at Indiana University Health, which is Indiana's largest health system. Now, as the health system was growing in size, the opportunities expanded for oversight, and I was able to take advantage of them. Jim Jorgensen, who's the president and CEO of Asant, was executive director of pharmacy at IU Health at the time, and he justified the role of vice president and chief pharmacy officer for the system. He blazed a trail for creating this title, and I learned a lot from him. Now, Jim had a wonderful opportunity with Asant, which afforded me the opportunity to serve next in the role of vice president and chief pharmacy officer. I spent, what, a little over 12 years at IU Health, with six of those years in the vice president and chief pharmacy officer role. I learned so much more about leading by influence, by being in a large complex system and work-life integration. As during this time, I got divorced and became a single mother with two daughters. Although that information may be considered personal, it's part of my journey and while maintaining that desire to lead. It wasn't easy, but surely doable. So I always tried to stay supportive, connected, and active locally and nationally. I am continuously learning and teaching others too. Today, I am serving as Vice President and Chief Pharmacy Officer at Community Health Network in Indianapolis. I was presented the opportunity to develop this role in their system, which was great. I'm also president-elect, as you stated, David, in the introduction of our state's pharmacy association and serve on several organizational boards within the community. To me, it's very important to give back and serve in the community. We should not underestimate the positive impact of role modeling that can come from this type of service. In general, it's good when others can see me in these roles and know that they can achieve the same thing or better. And to this point, there were several female pharmacy leaders that I encountered who inspired me at different stages in my journey. They include Vivian Johnson, Marisa Lewis, Angela Massey, now she's Angela Hill, our very own Janet Mighty, Marianne Ivy, Sarah White, and Rita Shane. I am grateful for their passion and contributions to the profession. Great. Thank you so much for that, Dawn. Definitely a, a lot of great mentors along the way. I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you actually have a favorite university mascot that you have allegiance to? I used to say, because um, I've been in the Midwest primarily, whoever paid the bills at the time, right? Because I worked for so many university teaching hospitals in so many areas. But um, I support all of them and definitely true to Florida A&M University. That is my, my, my first love for sure. Okay. So the Rattlers, yes. There you go. Yeah, that's one of my favorite cities in the country. I think it's a beautiful town. Okay, well, Christy, if we could turn to you now and if you could share a little bit of your background and career journey and those critical points along the way. 
Thank you, David. And it's an honor to be here. I've learned so much already just listening to Janet and Dawn about how much we have in common. So I appreciate the opportunity to participate. So I am a Georgia native. I grew up right outside of Augusta, Georgia. And like Janet, I decided that I wanted to be a pharmacist in high school. And there wasn't a pre-med or pre-pharmacy program available to me. And so I decided to go the biology, chemistry, major and minor route. After completing three years of undergraduate training, I was accepted into the University of Georgia College of Pharmacy and relocated from the Augusta area to Athens to do my first three years of training. During my first year of pharmacy school, I actually had my oldest child, who's now 18 years old, and that's where I picked up my first lessons in balancing, uh, certainly being a full-time professional degree student and managing and taking care of a small child gave me a different perspective that has certainly shaped the way that I lead and manage. So the program at the University of Georgia allowed for me to complete three years on campus and then transition back home to the Augusta area where I completed my clinical rotations. And I did those at what was then the Medical College of Georgia. During my time there, I had exposure to many leaders in pharmacy, whether it was through the hospital leadership team or through the partnership that Medical College of Georgia has with the University of Georgia College of Pharmacy. And so at that point in time, I was under the impression that I was going to go to pharmacy school, I was going to graduate, and I was going to go into retail pharmacy, um, one of the chains that were up and coming at that point in time were Walgreens. But I had a change in one of my rotations. Uh, One of my preceptors wasn't available and I was moved over to an administration rotation where I spent time with Scott Savage, who was a new pharmacy manager at that point in time. And during the course of that month, I worked on projects related to USP 797 which was new, a new hot topic at that point, and also got exposure to general pharmacy operations. Also at that time, Tad Gomez was serving as the director of pharmacy, and he was relatively new to the organization as well. They were the reason why I widened my horizons and decided to pursue a residency in health system pharmacy administration. And they encouraged me to look at the two-year programs, which I did, and settled on joining the program at The Ohio State University with my residency at Wexner Medical Center. My program's directors were Tricia Jordan and Nisha Griffith, and this was prior to Jerry Siegel's retirement. And so when you talk about really being in a gold mine for lessons in leadership, I took advantage of all the opportunities that I had there. And one of the items that was important to me during the course of my residency was always being a pharmacist first. And so it was very important to me that not only did I take advantage of the leadership lessons and the management lessons, but also took advantage of picking up on all of the different clinical backgrounds and training that I could gain there with particular interest in critical care cardiology. So after completion of my residency, I had several job opportunities that were available to me, but I will say that the first job is likely the most important. And I decided to go back to Augusta, not only because it was home, 
but also because I knew that I would be around very supportive leadership and mentorship structure, which was key to me. And so I returned to Augusta, worked very closely um, under the direction of Tad Gomez, who was who remained the director of pharmacy at that time, and took on a clinical assistant professor without salary under the University of Georgia, where I was able to interface with Diane and Rusty May, who I would say are legendary when it comes to the practice of pharmacy and formulary management, formulary stewardship, uh, and drug information. And so spent my time there, worked in several roles, starting off in pharmacy operations. And anytime I have the opportunity to speak with new leaders, I tell them people and processes first, learn to do those well, and it will frame you for success in the future. From there, I moved into clinical services management and did that for several years medication safety, formulary stewardship, managing our clinical services and our clinical specialists, and very, very fortunate to have an office right next door to Marjorie Phillips. And that was instrumental for me because Marjorie always encouraged me, not only as a student, but as a new practitioner to stay involved, which I did. And she wasn't and is not a person that just says to stay involved, she actually models staying involved. And so I carried those lessons from her as well. After my time serving as pharmacy manager for operations and then moving on into clinical services, I took on the director of pharmacy role. And this was able to occur because Tad Gomez at the time received a promotion in the same system as a vice president of operations or or clinical services. And so I was able to stay under his mentorship as I moved into that director of pharmacy role, which is actually becoming more and more common today as we see pharmacists step into hospital administration. In the director of pharmacy role, one of the things that I realized was that my path to getting there was shorter than some might say. Um, It took about five years to, to get to that director of pharmacy role. But I think the reason I was able to do that was because I was in a supportive leadership structure that allowed me to get exposure to all the different aspects of pharmacy management. And so I had a very well-rounded experience from operations to clinical services, to formulary management, to developing new service lines and putting together new business cases, to informatics and automation, really just becoming a well-rounded leader. So after my time at the Medical College of Georgia, which is now Augusta University Medical Center, a new opportunity came up in the state. And it was important to me to stay in the academic medical center environment. And so I decided to pursue the role as Vice President of Pharmacy Services for Emory Healthcare. And that's where I am today. I've been with the system now for just over four years. And again, making sure that Not only am I in a structure that continues to support my growth and development as a leader, but that I can begin to pay back some of those lessons learned to those who I work with. Oh, thank you for that, Christy. Uh, There are so many pearls in what the three of you just shared on how you make decisions for where you work, the, the, the environment you're most comfortable to work in that allows you to really prosper and thrive. So thank you for sharing that. You know, I'd like to move on to uh, 
the next portion or the next question, because all three of you have alluded to this and I mentioned at the beginning, that you're just your roles as volunteers and leadership roles within professional associations. So I'd like to, as I mentioned, explore and ask each of you to share your story of the leadership roles you have had or currently have with professional associations, right? We all know professional associations are so important to any thriving profession, but requires many hours of commitment, mentors, and the ability to inspire others. Each of you has have had a significant longitudinal commitment to professional associations because I've been able to look at your CVs, so very appreciative of that. And you've catalyzed change and contributed to the profession's cohesiveness. You know, to get us started, Dawn, can you talk a little bit and about your professional leadership journey? Yes. Thank you for that. I've been very fortunate to have great mentors throughout my career. You know, I was very active in college, being involved in the Academy of Students in Pharmacy and Student National Pharmacy Association as the chapter president, along with state associations in Florida, such as FPA with Michael Jackson as the leader then and FSHP and Steve Glass was the leader then. So I'm going way back. So one of the big issues at that time, as I reflect (laughs) for pharmacy practice in Florida, was reciprocity for pharmacists. For those who were graduating from a school in Florida, jobs were sometimes hard to come by as those who were retiring were moving to Florida and practicing, thus taking the jobs. It was very interesting as students because we were able to testify at the Capitol, we wrote letters and et cetera. It was an amazing experience and great introduction into association leadership for sure. I, during this time, served as vice president of Student National Pharmacy Association on the national level. And we had a fellow student from our chapter who became the regional delegate for the Academy of Students in Pharmacy. So we were representing in all of the associations. So this is why, you know, how I developed my appreciation for being involved. And it was during my time in college because at Florida A&M, they instilled the importance of being involved and not just in one organization, but all of them. So when you join one at that time, you join them all. So I'm very grateful for Dean Henry Lewis at the time and Mr. Carlton Bailey for again, laying this foundation. So then beginning in my residency years and beyond, I've been fortunate to have worked for and or be mentored by uh, Tom Filkey, Bruce Scott, Paul Abramowitz, who are all past presidents of ASHP, and Paul also being the current CEO of ASHP. Each of them and a host of many others inspired me and encouraged my involvement in professional associations. So as mentioned in the introduction by you, David, I had the privilege to serve as faculty with Jim Jorgensen in teaching a module in the Pharmacy Leadership Academy. It was a great experience in that I was able to help other aspiring leaders improve in their ability to lead change. I truly appreciated that opportunity to be invited by Jim to partner in this endeavor, as again, I considered him a practice innovator. Now, given my leadership role and scope, I was selected to participate in the ASHP's Multi-Hospital Pharmacy Executive Committee. 
It was an awesome chance to meet and network with other pharmacy leaders with similar oversight within their health system. The discussion topics and feedback were, you know, were and are engaging and insightful as many, if not all of us, are experiencing the same challenges and opportunities. I served on the Women in Pharmacy Leadership Steering Committee as well, which was amazing connecting with other leaders with the focus of identifying challenges women face in the workforce, including pharmacy practice and pharmacy leadership roles more specifically. Now, there was a high level of interest from ASHP members for this work that was being done. Now, we know that women make up the majority of the workforce in healthcare organizations, but are still underrepresented in leadership positions, particularly senior leadership roles. Now, the research does show that there are unique barriers and challenges and issues facing women in the workforce. Now, given the demographics of our talent pool, there is a need for the pharmacy profession, of course, to address the opportunities for leadership at every level. Now, one way we can do this is by increasing the development of women leaders. The more women see the support of having them in leadership roles, the more they will reach out for these positions as well and experience success, which is key. Now, it was a privilege to more recently participate on the Racial Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Task Force and to take part in the call for action that resulted from this important work. The timing of the task force was on the heels though of the deaths of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor. And I'm so fortunate that ASHP, you know, put out a joint statement with other national pharmacy organizations condemning racism and discrimination along with eliminating the inequities that result from it. So this task force that I was on was charged with assessing ASHP's efforts in the areas of racial diversity, equity, and inclusion, and for making recommendations on new or enhanced efforts going forward. And I'm happy to say that these recommendations were approved by the board in January. So that's awesome news. Now to many, DEI or diversity, equity and inclusion is a sensitive topic. However, it's one that is essential and necessary in order to experience better healthcare outcomes in this country. Now to take part in this movement for change and work with an amazing group of people was an honor indeed. So another phenomenal and relatively new experience is my work with the Pharmacy Executive Leadership Alliance, also known as PELA. And it's an initiative from ASHP that was designed for chief pharmacy officers and multi-health system pharmacy executive leaders to share issues and innovations at a peer-to-peer -peer level. And these issues are ones that impact our networks and our health systems. Now, the interchange of ideas and practices are insightful and forward-thinking and strategic. So Pella hosts educational sessions for ASHP leaders to help offer support for challenges currently experienced and the opportunities ahead of us. The networking within the Alliance is truly invaluable. And I have the wonderful opportunity to serve on this Alliance with Christy 
Norman, who's part of this podcast. So that's even more beneficial. So we're connected in other ways too. So all of the experiences mentioned are helpful in my day job, but also in my role as president-elect of our State Pharmacy Association. I am able to share this information and utilize it to help develop our strategy for advancing pharmacy practice. Although being involved takes time and commitment, I view it as being part of my work versus in, in addition to my work. As I'm always learning from my involvement and in seeking to share and carry forward any missed opportunities. I strongly encourage being active in professional associations as there is so much value that can be offered to you and that you can in turn offer to others. It's okay to modify your involvement level and investment in time as circumstances dictate it. However, I encourage you not to totally stop participating if you can help it. Great. No, thank you very much, Dawn. You know, and it's, it's really nice that you integrated the important work and the different layers of associations, as you mentioned, the task force and the steering committees. And I think you also introduced the importance of role modeling and role models, which I'm so pleased to have the three of you here today as excellent role models um, for individuals that have been leaders, formal leaders and leadership positions, as I mentioned earlier, within your associations, as also participants within the various task forces, um, but also supporting the work of, of associations, as many of all of you have also been part of groups that just get the work done of associations that we couldn't do otherwise. So I'll turn now to Christy, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about your leadership roles and your professional association journey and your advice for others considering following your footsteps. Absolutely. So for me, I too was a member and uh, president of our student chapter of Student National Pharmacy Association at the University of Georgia. And my introduction to that actually came from Stuart Feldman, who was on faculty at the time and a very special advocate for diversity, equity, and inclusion um, initiatives at the University of Georgia. There weren't very many minority females in pharmacy school when I was there. And I happened upon two classmates that were two years ahead of me. And um, that would be Stephanie Smith-Rogers and Tiffany Donald-Mond, who encouraged me to participate um, in, in SNAFA at that point in time. So went from being a member to president eventually. And one important note about that is that those friendships still exist. And so um, one of the early lessons is that professional organizations, even as a student, can turn into lifelong relationships. And, and we've all been connected now for almost 20 years and stay connected. The state of Georgia had, or and still has, two professional pharmacy associations. They have the Georgia Pharmacy Association, and then they have the Georgia Society of Health System Pharmacists. And if you recall, I was very interested in looking at joining the workforce as a retail pharmacist or community practice pharmacist. And so as a student, my involvement was primarily with the Georgia Pharmacist Association. But when I moved to Ohio, what I encountered was a state society that existed as one, which was the Ohio Pharmacists Association. 
as a resident, we were asked uh, to participate on a committee and they had two committee days a year. And the state society there is very active in influence and legislation. Um, recently did a lot of work on credentialing provider status. And so very active um, state society. And so being there with a number of leaders in the state of Ohio, and again, having them model what it looked like to influence practice versus just following practice as it's been decided for you was also very influential in making the decision to stay involved. Now, on my return to the state, I mentioned earlier that uh, I shared an office next to Marjorie Phillips. She's always been very involved with the State Society as well as ASHP and encouraged me again to get my membership in, which didn't take a lot of arm pulling, but joined the uh, State Society and served on a number of committees, a pharmacy technician initiative to organizational affairs, to legislative affairs, district director for the Central Savannah River area. And then from there, just continued to stay involved. And so this the district director position allowed me to get my first glimpse of what it was like to serve on a board. And that is also a very valuable experience to understand the logistics and expectations when that comes in, into play. A natural extension of state society involvement is, of course, national society involvement. And so for a number of years, I've participated on a number of committees and sections with ASHP and now serve as vice chair for the multi-hospital pharmacy executive group. Now, here's a quick side note, um, and I think that this is an important lesson as well. I am currently president-elect for the Georgia Society of Health System Pharmacists, but this year wasn't the first year that I ran for that office. I was slated for that position two years ago, and an old classmate of mine who actually graduated from the University of Georgia when I did was elected. And so I think the lesson in that is that the opportunities may not come at first, but that you must persist um, and continue to express interest and learn and grow to understand what your approach should be if you have interest in leading in professional organizations. And so that was a very good lesson to have and to carry. And I I'm hopeful that I can serve very well as I move into the president role later this summer. Some of the other items that I would point out is that, you know, it's one thing to be a leader or a manager in the profession in a particular organization, but it's a different level of satisfaction that comes with actually being able to lead and guide vision for the practice of pharmacy. And that's why I've stayed involved with the various professional organizations and helped to be a, a, a good contributor um, to our efforts. The other item that I'll leave you all with is that it is my responsibility, and I, I take this on very seriously, to also make sure that in the professional organizations that I'm engaged with, that I create a sense of belonging for all people who practice in pharmacy, not just our pharmacists, but also our technicians, our students, our residents. And I believe that that's the way that we model engagement 
and create sustainability for continued leadership in our societies. Oh, great. Thank you so much for that, Christy. And I'd like now to move to Janet. And Janet, you have two very unique perspectives as a volunteer leader uh, for associations, being a past member of the ASHP Board of Directors and now on the board for the ASHP Foundation. Uh, could you provide a little, bit of, a little bit of your journey and some of your insights and advice for others considering to follow in your footsteps? Sure, thank you, David. So both Dawn and Christy stated that they started their professional association experience as students. So for me, it was a little bit later in the profession. So I did not actually become involved in associations until I was a practitioner. So previously, I talked about, you know, having strong leaders for early jobs that I had within the profession in the community hospital environment. So for both of those leaders that I worked for at that time, they were both very involved on the state level. So I'm here in Maryland. So that's the Maryland Society of Health System Pharmacists. And they definitely valued that state society commitment. They, you know, held elected roles within the society. And basically it was a given, (laughs) I believe, that you would participate and you would, you know, give back to the profession. So just in thinking back about it, it really wasn't my decision to seek out MSHP or to seek out involvement with the state association. It was through modeling from the pharmacy leaders that I worked for at that time that, you know, it was an expectation for the profession. So then after I spent a lot of time with MSHP and you start out, you know, as a committee member, a committee chair, and then run for elected positions, I was on various committees and held several elected positions within MSHP and was, as you stated earlier, past president of MSHP. Then from there, I advanced to the national level with ASHP. So again, with ASHP, I participated with Or actually, I guess when I first started, I was on the Council of Organizational Affairs, which I know now the name, that council does not exist and there's another name for it. Um, But then just progressed through different opportunities at ASHP. So in 2007 and 2007, I was elected to the ASHP Board of Directors as member-elect, and through that time that you're on the ASHP board, you have the opportunity to be board liaison to many of the councils and sections. So through each of those, I learned a tremendous amount of information from the members that were serving on those councils and sections. In addition, I was involved in the Pharmacy Practice Model Initiative Summit that was held to sort of develop the the guidance and the plan for advancement of the profession. I was also involved in the ASHP 
EVP CEO search when Dr. Manassi retired. And you all know who the CEO of ASHP is now, Dr. Paul Abramowitz. So I have several years of involvement through the State Society and also with ASHP. And my current position right now as a member of the board of directors for the ASHP Foundation basically ties everything together for, you know, for me regarding ASHP and the work of the foundation to support members of ASHP. So when we start talking about value of professional associations, I learned a lot along the way. And I would tell anybody who's, you know, trying to make a decision of what to do or when to do something. So I sort of think about it as to what I learned in early years versus later years. So in the early years, you know, when you first are involved or when I was first involved at the state level, it was an excellent opportunity to develop leadership skills, to understand, you know, simple things, how to run a meeting, how to negotiate with individuals, how to work on a team, how, you know, the decision-making process. So a lot of those early skills and sort of basic skills that you need as a leader, I learned early in the process through the state organization. And then later through ASHP, there was an extension of my learning through just more in-depth understanding and knowledge of the pharmacy profession of professional practice initiatives, governmental affairs, sort of directions for the future of the profession, and also some of the challenges that face the profession. So my time was definitely valued um, when I was on the ASHP board. I think about that time as the time when I was in the know, (laughs) because you do, you learn a lot. It's an excellent educational opportunity, as well as an opportunity for one to expand leadership skills. And then the other main benefit for involvement with professional organizations is the network opportunities to meet colleagues. And I think Christy also mentioned this, you develop lifelong friendships. So through each of my roles or through different stages of my involvement with associations, I have, you know, friends that have, I have developed and, you know, have become lifelong friends through those interactions with those associations. Great. Thank you, Janet. And and again, thank you all three for listening to that. Clearly, uh, being an employee of ASHP, greatly indebted and grateful for all the time that you lead and volunteer for associations and your your journeys are clearly seeded with so many lessons learned and and I think role modeling and modeling are so critical as not only necessary for associations to thrive but also as you three have mentioned to attract and continue to grow and groom future leaders of the profession well thank you all so much for these great stories of your professional journeys You each have had successful careers and contributed significantly to health system professional associations. Thank you for that.
We are just getting started because we will be having a part two to this podcast where our conversation will continue getting your insights on balancing work and life and the world we live in, as well as your thoughts on priority areas for our profession. So for now, that is all the time we have today. And I want to thank Janet, Dawn, and Christy for joining us today to discuss leadership and pharmacy, women making an impact in practice and professional associations. Find more member-exclusive content, including resources for self-development, leading pharmacy enterprises and teams, and practice management on the ASHP website. So again, thank you for joining us, and be sure to subscribe to the ASHP official podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.